Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Half Street High Heat, where we're going to have actual baseball soon to talk about. And we will be returning to our weekly episodes, which we used to do before covid made everything awful. So I am your host, Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. And I am joined, as always, by my appetent co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. You can follow them on Twitter as well at halfshackcat for Nick and at dcnatshack for Ryan. And you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. How are you guys doing? So appetent means one with a large appetite, which you are not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> well, that's not all it means, though. It means, like, eager, excited, impatient. I'm thinking about for baseball, appetite for baseball. Oh, I am ah. the most impatient person I am hungry. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I am hunger, question mark. <laughs> I am hunger. Yeah, I hear you. Wow, you were quick on the Google today. Oh, is that actually what it means? Appetite? Yeah, well, sort of. Like I said, it's not exactly to do with appetite. It's more like, uh, let me I find the actual guess. definition. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Guess. Very good guess. <laughs> no, it literally, it's sort of, it, it means, I think, I'm sure it has the same, like, Latin root, but um, it, right. it means that you're Hunger, excited for something, have a large appetite yeah. for something. Well, I nailed it. I'm yeah. a genius. Uh, Indeed. Exactly. But what's going on? Long time. I'm excited to talk to you guys every week now, rather than every two. 
not that I yeah, don't talk absolutely. to Lyme every single day of my life. But. And not that you guys would know listening, but we're actually recording at a decent hour in the afternoon instead of late at night. Yeah, that's so probably why Amanda has a word pounding on a door, it's <laughs> my children. I'm hiding from them in my bedroom, so, well. Yeah, you're we'll pulling a full-on uh, Bartolo Cologne, hiding from your family. <laughs> yes, exactly. Except it's different because I don't have another one. So. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what happened in Tijuana. <laughs> well, and you never will. And you never will. So what did you guys get up to this week? <clears throat> um, I actually, like, don't really remember what I did this week. <laughs> I was just about to say, I was like, I can remember yesterday, and I remember nothing beforehand. I got sunburnt yesterday because I was outside hey. coaching baseball, and I am not wow. covered in the sun still, which stinks. Um, but, yeah, so there's that. Oh, I had chilies last night for dinner. A little, a little take, take nice. out. Support my local chilies, oh. my local Terry. I had a big week. Um, my hammock came after it being a week late, <laughs> so that was really nice. I got some blue light glasses. Um, nice. I got I got a haircut. That was my first public outing in months. Um, probably won't do it again because everyone's an idiot. Um, but so that was great before everything gets shut back down. And there was oh, also, am I the only one that's noticed that when I eat out now, the food isn't as good as it used to be? Like I don't know if it's just me or like. Maybe they're not as busy, so the food's not as fresh, but, like, I feel like some of those places I would always love and always be so good, it's not up to the normal, like, quality that it usually is. Well, it definitely huh. is contributed to because, like, if you put it in a styrofoam container, then you get more moisture and things get, like, with fries especially. Fries, like, if the fries are in a container, you have to open up the container, otherwise the fries get soggy. I like crispy fries, so yeah. that's a life hack for you, but... Yeah, for sure. Um, but like I am like doing this vegetarian thing, but on Fridays I'll eat whatever I want. That's like my cheat day and I usually eat out. Fridays on Fridays. are vegetarian. But this is true. This is true. But I just mean like I'll have like chicken or something on Fridays as well. But I usually eat out, like do Uber Eats on something on Fridays. And I have kind of noticed that like I'll get those meals that are like they, they just hit mainly because I'm not eating junk for six days a week but uh like they hit but then every now and then like you'll just get the one you're like this isn't very good so i don't know what's no, and going i think on. there's a couple of things one is just that takeaway when you take the food away it's just not as good once it's been in those containers for sure right. the other thing is i think we've all been cooking at home so much for so long now that and i generally tend to think that food is mostly better when you cook it at home and i think when you've not had restaurant food for a while you just kind of realize that restaurant food isn't as good as you thought it was I started watching this show, uh, I think it's called Crazy Delicious, on, it's on Netflix, it's just like a cooking oh, competition. I love that show! I yeah. love it. I'm only two episodes in, so I didn't get very far, but it's like, it's not like, so, sidebar, another show I really love is Sugar Rush, or is it Sugar Rush? No. Nailed it. Floor is, floor is Lava. No, oh, floor is Lava. No, it's Nailed <laughs> I It. I love that game. It's uh, so addicting. <laughs> floor is Lava is also a really funny show on Netflix, but... Uh, I, like, nailed it because it's a bunch of just, like, random people who don't know how to cook trying to make these, like, extravagant things. But the Crazy Delicious is, like, uh, like the super chefs who know everything, and, and they're making things. But then uh, I started getting into Chopped, too. I, I've seen random episodes of Chopped. I don't dig Chopped. Chopped. Chopped doesn't do anything for me. I started watching it on Hulu because I have, like, a bunch of seasons on there. But point being, f or cooking is just not therapeutic. 
Like it's just not therapeutic. <laughs> oh, it's see, like one I of the most cooking. stressful. Yeah, but we disagree on everything. So this is just like that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. So this is just typical, but it's just not therapeutic. There's so much stress. There's like you're hot, you're sweating, you're jumbling things back and forth. You like might forget shit. It, oh, <laughs> you might forget something. Oh, and it, you it said a bad burn, word. It, it's burning while like you're whatever like well it sounds like you're just not good at it and it's stressful for you but that's cool. well i i haven't had like forty thousand years to practice amanda yeah it's true it's true <laughs> you'll get there one day so speaking of food again before i forget i want to go back to your fries life hack for a second because there's okay. another life hack that i would like to share with our listeners which is again, order you your fries now, order your fries well done, especially at Roy Rogers. If oh. you like Roy Rogers, I That's love cool. their fries, but when they're soggy, they're the worst. All soggy fries are the worst. Soggy but fries. Suck. When you order their fries well done, they are ridiculous. And the other place is Outback. If you ever get the Aussie cheese fries, which are my kryptonite, I love them so much. Order them well done, and then they cook them till they're sort of more crispy before they put the cheese on top. And then when the cheese mm -hmm. melts on top, it doesn't make the fries soggy. So, yeah, I, I always do that. I Anytime I go to a breakfast place or get breakfast food, I always order hash browns because I love hash browns. And I'll mm -hmm. always, 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 like, always order them burnt, basically. I have to tell them to burn them because crispy to the kitchen isn't what crispy is to me. Crispy to the kitchen just means, like, slightly more. But no, 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 you got to burn them. And that's where I, I like. want them like just this side of charcoal is really Crucify how I like them. my potato products, yes. Yeah. I you just, know, there's another show you should check out but, um, that's a cooking show that is on, it's a YouTube thing. It's the Bon Appetit channel on YouTube, and I can't remember the name of the show, but they basically try to recreate some famous chef's dish, so they'll... And they'll have somebody be blindfolded, and they're not allowed to look at this, the thing, but they can touch it or taste it and smell it and try to recreate the dish without ever having seen it. Yeah, I think And I've it's crazy how that. good they are at it, but it's hysterical. One time they had somebody try to recreate Snoop Dogg's Lobster Thermidor recipe, because apparently Snoop Dogg has a cookbook. I didn't know. But it's pretty fantastic. You, you should check it out. Brian, what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, when I go out, I just feel bad telling people, hey, can you make this, like, the fries, like, well done, just because that minimum wage worker already hates their life so much. <laughs> I'm not going to make them hate their life even more by having to slow everything down by cooking more. So, like, if I order out, at, like, if I go fast food and something's a little soggy, I just blame myself just because I feel so bad having to ask them. It's like, hey, can you fix this when they're so underpaid? So I just – yeah, They just are underpaid. <laughs> Right. Well, if I right. get food that's not quite what I wanted, I won't ask them to fix it. But I don't I'll think there's anything it. wrong with being like, hey, will you just, you know, do oh. it this way? Well, that was a perfect, like, segue. Because I think Ryan and I are on the same page. Maybe it's just, like, an age thing. But, like, Amanda, if you get – you kind of just answered it. But if you get order something and it comes out the way as advertised and you don't like it, would you send it back? No. Okay. All right. No, uh, because you ordered it. If they screw it right. up, like if I order a $30 steak and I ordered it medium and it's well done, it's going back. Oh, that, yeah. Because I paid a $30 understand. steak. But if mm -hmm. I order a dish I've never had before and I just don't like it, no, I'm not sending it back. Oh, See, I, I used am. to serve. And yeah, so, like, I? I just, we dealt with so many stupid people. So, like, if I order something and even, like, something completely different comes out, I'll just feel too bad and still eat it. Because I'm like, they're doing their best. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> pay your bills. You're still getting 20%. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. But, 
getting back to baseball, I also watched uh, Long Gone Summer. I know we kind of talked about that last week, but uh, I also didn't realize that it was basically going to be only a Mark McGuire documentary. <laughs> there was zero <laughs> Sammy Sosa in there. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Is that true? Oh, you haven't? Interesting. No. So, well, I guess I won't. I'm I mean, incapable of staying up more than 30 minutes after my children fall asleep at this point. So. Well, I didn't watch it when it aired. I watched it, like, uh, on demand or whatever on the app. But, uh, like, that was one of my takeaways. Like, Sammy so uh, Mark Wire had the record, obviously, before Barry Bonds broke it. But, like, Sammy Sosa was not really in it at all. I thought it was more – it's going to be, like, a 50-50 huh. split. But it was, so like – It was, like – Ryan, have you seen it? Yeah, I watched it. It was like 80-20, and it was all McGuire. And basically when they talked about Sammy, it was what Sammy thought about Mark McGuire. <laughs> like it, it was, it was, <laughs> so it was basically like the uh, MLB-produced World Series documentary about the Astros and the Nationals. Well, we don't remember losers and Sammy Sosa lost, which actually, though, at the end of it, Sammy Sosa had the best line. He was like, um, I won MVP. We went to the playoffs, so I feel like I actually won. And I was just like legend and that, that's good that, that is that's why i bring it up because before the even i mean little uh preface i guess i was three years old in the summer of 98 so like i don't oh, know God any of, <laughs> i don't know any of this or like don't remember any of it but i faintly remember the sammy sosa on the orioles days and like the tail end of his cubs career and whatnot but it's just still it was always like mind-boggling to me that the Cubs haven't welcomed Sammy Sosa back. Like we even see the Reds kind of wel- welcoming back Pete Rose, who is literally the only guy who's like banned from baseball, you know, and they're welcoming, welcoming him back. I mean, trying to welcome back Barry Bonds. Obviously we saw the Mark McGuire documentary, but the Cubs just have not welcomed Sammy Sosa back. Meanwhile, they they held on to Addison Russell three years past his domestic violence thing. So it's not like they're this, you know, paragon of virtue or something right right right, exactly so that's always been on my mind but seeing the documentary and how mark mcguire is now in the cardinal or i don't know now but whenever he was inducted into the cardinals hall of fame and all this stuff meanwhile sammy sosa like ryan just pointed out he won mvp that year they he got him back to the playoffs like they didn't win but i mean when they won in 2016 or or whatever it was like you would have thought sammy would have been involved in that like because they talked about Steve Bartman didn't go but they kind of like forgave quote-unquote Steve Bartman for the whole thing in 2001 I think it was but it, it that's just crazy to me that you know Sammy really Sosa has six, 600 plus home runs and yeah he's with the steroid era and all that stuff but you look at Barry Bonds Roger Clemens they're steroid errors but they're knocking on the door of the Hall of Fame Meanwhile, Sammy yeah. Sosa, which there there ha- is other things, I'll give you that, like the corked bat and whatnot, just zero conversation about Hall of Fame or even getting back into the game of baseball. Like, I don't know. It's just yeah. crazy to me. It's just like it's weird how it sticks to some people differently than others. Right. It's- yeah, I guess that's a good point. But, I mean, when you think Mark McGuire versus Sammy Sosa, if you think steroids, at least for me, I think Mark McGuire first. I don't think – yeah, you know? me too. So it was just crazy to me. But it was a good documentary, but just be prepared that it's basically all Mark, Mark McGuire. <laughs> Hope you like Mark McGuire if you're going to watch it. Yeah. The cool thing is he did talk about it, though. Like, he wasn't just beating around the bush. Like, he talked about, like, hey, I did steroids, like, blah, 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 blah. So 
that was a little bit more refreshing than, I don't know, someone else saying, eh, well, everyone was doing I know it, how blah, people blah, blah, are, blah, blah. I know. When people are like, oh, they never got caught, it probably didn't happen. It's so terrible. Yeah, but that was yeah. one of my first thoughts. Um, but getting to the NAS, second thought before we get into the week in review, I know I'm kind of rambling right now. I was so excited baseball is back, but seeing Nats, Yankees opening day. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> oh. I'm firmly in the camp of I think this season's not going to happen or at least it's not going to finish because of COVID. But if we if we can get that game, yeah. I will feel like at least we got something. Like, right. I am so excited. My next-door neighbor who's really close friends with us is a – he's from New York City. He's a diehard Yankees fan. So super, super, Sorry, duper excited lost. about Having a oh I know he's okay anyway nobody's perfect. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. It, and was, he hung out with us and we got to watch the Yankees get eliminated by the Astros and that was fun for me. Yeah. To watch like a watch the <laughs> like real time pain of a diehard Yankees fan in that moment was really really fun. So. Yeah, it was really nice of Rob Manfred and MLB. Shortly after Father's Day, they're giving Garrett Cole a gift and he gets to play against his father Juan Soto on opening day. <laughs> yeah. That is sweet. It's nice. I love family reunions. I know. It's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop rambling. All right. We can review, Ryan. Yeah. So it's one I've been uh, waiting to do for quite some long time. At this <laughs> moment, we have an agreement for baseball after both sides had a complete embarrassing disarray of negotiations. They backed themselves up into the only corner they possibly had and then try to say, hey, we won. Baseball's back. Woo! But I have all the rules and everything you need for this season all in here before COVID shuts everything down. The season. Players are to report by July 1st to be tested for summer camp. It's summer camp, not spring training. And all this will be happening at teams' home ballparks. The Nationals are going to be reporting on July 3rd. Teams are allowed to schedule three uh, spring training exhibition games against people that are close to them. They are not allowed to go over more, but they are encouraged to just do inter-squad scrimmages and other practices with themselves. The season will begin on July 23rd with two nationally broadcasted games. We already know the Nationals-Yankees is the 8 p.m. game, and the rumor is Dodgers-Astros will be the other game. The season will end on September 27th. All teams will play 60 games in 66 days. So how's the schedule going to work? Each team will play 40 games versus their divisional rivals, consisting of two and three game series. And they'll play their counterpart division in the other league, meaning the East versus East, Central versus Central, West versus West. And each team will play six games against their interleague rival. So the Nats will get six free wins against the Orioles, and the other 14 games will be split against the Rays, Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays. The rules. For the first time ever, there will be a universal DH, and Amanda weeps. Ah, universal DH. I don't Ooh. weep so much as I scream <laughs> into the void. It's not weeping, exactly. Ooh. It's more rage than sadness. And then a rule that is strictly dictated by health. Any, ga any game that goes into extra innings will have teams beginning with a runner on second for their half inning. That runner will be the player who got out last the inning prior. Position players can now pitch at any time in a the game. There is no limit to how many pitchers can be on a roster. Speaking of roster, the opening day roster will be 30 players. After 15 days, it goes to 28. After 30 days, it goes to 26. There is a trade deadline. It's going to be August 31st, and it will suck. 
Um, all injured lists, <laughs> it's, it's going to be absolutely terrible. All injured lists will be 10 days. There is going to be a separate list for COVID-related sicknesses or players waiting for tests. If a player has been exposed, they will be put on the list as well. Um, there is no minimum amount of days to be in it. There will be no rain delays. If a game starts and has to stop because of rain, it will be suspended. How's the minor league season going to work? There isn't one. So instead, teams are doing a 60 pool player. Sorry, player pool. These are the 60 players that could potentially play for the season, and the other 30 will be reserves at an off-site to train and be in a taxi portal. The Nats are using their 30 players at the new Fredericksburg site. Uh, the players do not have to be part of the 40-man roster, and they will be paid 400 bucks a week. Now the fun stuff, the health rules. Uh, there's going to be temp and symptom checks twice a day. COVID tests every other day during spring, regular season, and postseason play. There's going to be an antibody test once per month. High-risk players will be able to opt out and they receive pay and service time. For those that are living with high-risk individuals, the union fought for this but lost. So the league said if you have high-risk individuals living with you, you can opt out, but it will be up to the ball club to pay you if you opt out because you're worried about your family. There will be no pregame exchange of lineup cards. Social distancing is strongly encouraged on the field. Don't know how that's going to work. Um, um, let's see. There will be mandated. Social distancing will be mandated in the dugout, and players will be six feet apart in the stands. Pitchers will bring their own rosin bag to the mound. Bullpen. Pitchers are not allowed to be in the bullpen unless they are warming up. Non-playing personnel have to wear a mask in the dugout and bullpens and anywhere on the field at all times. Spinning is strictly prohibited and chewing gum is allowed. Fights are strictly prohibited. Coaches and players are not to touch face when giving signs. All balls will be scrubbed and locked away for five days before using again. Players cannot give their coaches, give their gear to coaches or grab gear for other players. All players must grab their own gear. Players are not to go out to eat or go to bars during the season. And if a player or a coach gets within six feet of an umpire to argue a call, they will be suspended. Before we end the week in review, I want to take a moment to discuss Elijah McClain, who last August was tortured and murdered by police officers just for walking home. Please take time to sign petitions to put more pressure on the Aurora Police Department and government officials to arrest the officers who murdered Elijah. And also please donate to his family's GoFundMe to help support them during this time. That is your week in review. So the list of rules you just read are so absurd that I don't understand how anybody thinks that they're actually going to pull off a season. It's just, it, it, I mean, you, no, you can't touch your face to give signs. You can't get within six feet of each other. It's just never going to work. And an entire league full of people aren't going to go out to a restaurant or a bar. Come on. Come on. Well, the interesting thing here is fights aren't allowed. So, like, everyone's just going to have open season on the Astros because they can't retaliate. So that's going to be beautiful. But it feels weird being excited that baseball's back. Like, of course, I'm excited. I'm not baseball's that excited, back and kinda, but, but I don't feel like. At the same time, it's like, oh, I'm excited because these people are going to play for my entertainment and put themselves and their families at risk in the middle of a pandemic. So it kind of feels yep. weird to be excited that baseball's going to be back. It's yes, I don't think it's going to. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I still think they're going to start in those three weeks between when camps start and they're supposed to start the season. They're going to have so many positive tests. I don't know that the season will ever start. And if it does, I don't think it'll finish. But I totally agree with you. I can't get excited because it's not real baseball. The season is meaningless anyway because any 
I think one of our questions from Twitter was, will the season have an asterisk? And yes, it absolutely will. I just think, like you said, people are putting themselves at risk for what really, in the grand scheme of things, as much as I love baseball, doesn't matter. Yeah, and I mean, I completely agree with you guys. Uh, I don't think, uh, I think the season will start because I don't think after all the hell they've been through, and granted, the hell they put themselves through was mainly CBA-related, not necessarily even COVID-related, but after all the hell that they've been through, I think they're going to just start the season, um, but there's no way it finishes in, in my mind. But on the other hand, I'm just going to like leave it at in this conversation and go forward just putting my blinders on to everything else and just going to go forward like baseball is being played. Um, but like for, for me myself, like I am coaching baseball right now and all of these COVID protocols, like nobody, I, I can attest to it. Nobody's going to follow them. Like, yes, I'm following them, nope. but I am one like minor piece to a very, very big puzzle and, and all this stuff. So it only takes one person to really, uh, or one person not following the rules to really increase the risk for, for everybody else. So um, there's no, also to my knowledge, there's not really any, I guess, punishments or repercussions if someone or a team is not following the rules, you know, like yep. it's basically just like leaving it up to them to self hold themselves accountable and self monitor and self check and all this stuff. And it's just not good enough. Uh, I think they they were just all focused on the CBA thing, and then they're like, oh, yeah, the COVID is a thing. Uh, here, just do this. Yeah, it was like an afterthought. Like, okay, now we've worked yeah. out all our labor issues. Let's let's come up with some sort of a safety protocol. I'm like, how did you not have that ready to go? Like, after they don't all of this. Care. Remember the whole they, reason they really to start the care. season on time? So, they really don't care. And, and that's somebody why. is going to get hospitalized or die. It, it, it may not be a player since they're largely young and healthy, but it, a coach or a family member, somebody's mm -hmm. going to wind up super sick or dead. And then I'm going to look at as one person who is maimed or, or dies from this. Does it make it worth it? I love baseball and I'm, I'm, it, I can't help but be excited at the prospect of getting to watch it. But you're, you're right, Ryan. It doesn't feel right. Like it, it feels kind of gross. Like I don't you know, like I don't think it's – and it's never going to finish anyway. There's not going to be a World Series this year because we're never going to get to that point. And so why? Why put everybody at risk? See, I think I think the season does finish just because, one, they do not care at all about the player safety or the family safety at all. If they did, um, they would let people opt out if they're worried about their family members who are at risk, but they're not. And, like, they're kind of like politicians. Every single doctor and public health official was screaming, this is a terrible idea, do not open up, and they just opened up the country. And look, we had, we had 50,000 cases yesterday. And like, same with the MLB, they contacted the CDC, they contacted NIH, all of them are like, this is a terrible idea, you're going to get a lot of players sick. And they're like, eh, they don't know what we're talking about, let's just do it anyways. So like, the season's yep, let's going just to do it anyway. And like, and I can even understand it with opening up the economy to some extent. Like for people, there are a lot of people who are to able to work from home extent, and they're okay yeah. through this. Mm -hmm. But some people literally are, you know, they can't, they can't live if they don't work. And I understand that's a different thing. This is a game. It's a game. I understand that it's a business and there's a lot of people involved and there's other people's salaries and stuff involved. The league or the owners or somebody could figure out a way to make their employees whole if they wanted to. But to, to put so many human beings at risk over what is ultimately just a game just doesn't seem right to me. And I, I feel thought, like that all the sports. 
<clears throat> I have thoughts about what we said about the um, the opening economy thing, but won't get into it. This is a sports th- podcast. But all I mean, look around. Like all the college athletes went back. Tons of people got sick, and then the NBA. Yeah. I think it was five percent. Crazy. 5%. It's 5%. So if 5% of MLB players who report test positive, you're starting with over 100 cases already. That's not that's that's, that's not a good start. Okay. Um, but for now, baseball is back. And the 60 games, I think, is going to be pretty cool just because every single game means about three times as much since you're only playing mm-hmm. about a third of the season. And also, mm-hmm. it's all divisional opponents. So, like, I think it's going to be pretty fun. All it takes is like a good week and a half in your set. Like there was a two-week span last year where the Marlins had the best record in baseball. So like anything can happen. <laughs> I really forgot about that. I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, as of right now, the reality is COVID's still there and things may happen. But for now, we have some type of season. Yeah. yeah so if you just pretend there isn't COVID, like if you just take it in a vacuum and look at a 60-game season, it still feels like a total bastardization to me, and I will never consider it legitimate as far as a World Series winner, but I will say it's going to be super fun to watch. It's like if everybody were tied at the trade deadline and it's just a sprint to the playoffs mm-hmm. and everybody's just got 60 games, which is super exciting. Nobody's out of it. You know what I mean? It's like if you got to the trade deadline and there's no sellers because nobody's out of it. And it's it's going to be cool if it happens. Right. And you do look you at the thing. Go ahead, Ryan. Um, you could, but I was just going to say, do you think any big name players opt out? Because like we saw Ryan Zerman's considering it and other Nats players are. And do so, little, probably. Yeah, do little. I know those two are probably the ones for the Nats, but do you think there's any big players that it, like opt out and then just completely changes their season outlook? So I wonder, I, I haven't heard anything, but uh, a name I would throw out there is someone like Mookie Betts, who's doesn't if he sits out the season he's not going to lose much value but let's say he plays the season and he gets covid and now it's like a long-standing respiratory issue well now mm-hmm. a team might not want to shell out 300 million for him even though he's worth that maybe even close to 400 so i think the people maybe 30 or younger who stand to gain a lot cashing in this upcoming off season or maybe in a year of arbitration or whatever, they could opt out. But also, I don't think anyone who is in year four of arbitration or younger is going to opt out because not many of them Well, they're worried about service time and all that stuff. But for the older guys, you don't have that concern. Point being, I'm (laughs) saying, like, I don't think they're going to opt out because, like Ryan said before, it's up to the team. If a player opts out, it's up to the team whether or not they still pay them. If Ryan Zimmerman opts out, I guarantee the Nats will still pay him because oh, 100%. of the franchise. Same thing with Sean Doolittle. But if, let's say, Jackson Rutledge, just because that's the first name that popped in my head, if he opts out, are you really think the Nats are going to pay him? Uh, probably not. So I, I think you have to have some sort of, quote-unquote, value to a team or to baseball in order to have the luxury to opt out. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you have a family and maybe like a, a mom or dad living at home with you and you just can't opt out or can't play or put your family at risk, yeah, you would opt out at that point. But for the most part, you have to have some sort of value in order to really Yeah, opt or out you're just going to be separated from your family for a right. long period of time. Right. 
So yeah, it's a tough one. I think it's awful that they don't have to pay them if they opt out for family reasons. I think that's just terrible. Yeah, I mean, the players would file a grievance, and the players would one hundred percent win that grievance against the team if a team was like, "Hey, we're not paying you because you don't want your uh, mom or someone who loves with you to get sick and die." Like the players would win. Right. The it's it's also yeah, I funny, hope so. just like with the benefit of hindsight. I mean, twenty twenty has been an absolute s show and all this stuff. But I'm ninety five percent sure on the first episode of this podcast. I, I think this is episode sixty, if I'm not mistaken. First episode of this podcast, Ryan. I this quote. I still remember this quote. So congrats, Ryan. <laughs> he, first episode, he said, "We're on the midnight train to a lockout," and that was before the COVID stuff. Before the shortened season before everything <laughs> and now just with everything that's happened it's just like i mean it, it's not w- if but when yeah that, i remember us talking about that i haven't listened to the first episode in a very long time but i vaguely remember that conversation i listen to it daily i like to remember where i came from <laughs> before i got to be the big man that i am now i like to remember when i was just a little people stay humble <laughs> Like Kendrick told me. <sighs> All right. So it sounds like everybody's kind of got the same thoughts on the 60-day thing or the 60-game thing, which is that it's going to be fun, but it's it's probably it, it, it not going fun. to go the way we all right. – it's it's planned to go. Yeah, like obviously we all want a full season. We If we got the option of 60 games versus 162, we would take 162. But 60 games is cool because it does change the strategy and thought process behind it. Like the team like the Nats could go four-man rotation throughout all 60 games, and they'd probably yeah. serve, be pretty serviceable and whatnot. But it just it stinks because of the dark cloud of COVID. Um, you can't well, let really, me ask you guys this. Would you it. prefer a 60-game season or no season? Like what would you do you think would be the right thing? If you were the one making the decision, would you, you put your – Rob Manfred hat on. If you were Rob Manfred, would you with mandate a 60-game season or just let it go? With all factors. So, like, factor right, with everything COVID. involved. Yeah, everything. Would you just say no season this year? I would have said no season way back before all this public backbiting that made them all look like a big pile of assholes. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that word. That See, I would, I would say season just because the fact that there was no season this year, baseball would not have been able to survive it. So that aspect alone would have had me trying to figure out how the heck can I even get, like, 30 games in. Yeah, because, like, it's a little bit of a different circumstances. Granted, they are heading towards a lockout anyways, but, like, when they had a lockout in 94, I mean, in the uh, full circle here, in the Long Gone Summer documentary, they talked about how season of 95, 96, 97, this attendance was struggling. People hated baseball, and they were just like, basically protesting against it no one was going to the games like no matter but what see, that's my point struggling. you could have you could have called the season for health reasons and i do not think you would have had that same reaction from well fans. i mean i, I know, think what like, they did yeah, now you would have a season but you also but... pissed everyone off do you know what i mean it's like the worst of both worlds you're putting everybody at risk for a season that probably you shouldn't play because of safety concerns and you managed to piss off everybody in the meantime but on the at the same time, it wouldn't be the best look if MLB canceled, but now, oh, NHL is coming back, NBA is coming back, NFL mm-hmm. is proceeding as normal. Like, they, they canceled the Hall of Fame game, but no one cares about the Hall of Fame game anyways. It's the first preseason game of any team. So it's like, it, it would, I get it. 
uh, and you if I don't think that the rational fan like the three of us would blame them for canceling the season should they do that or had they have done that. But for those irrational fans, which most sports fans are, they wouldn't forgive baseball. Uh, And especially in a time where we keep talking about, oh, we need more fans, we need more fans, which I think we all can agree on. And and it's not like MLB is helping their case at all with all the other stuff going on, but we do need fans to the game of baseball and uh, no season when everything else is coming back would have hurt that cause. You know, the NFL NFL announced something the other day that's incredibly smart that uh, Major League Baseball should have done. They're like, hey, you know what? If we're going to not have fans this year, let's just offset it and cover the entire lower bowl with ads. Ad money drives everything. And the fact that no other league thought of this is the reason why NFL is king because their PR team is unreal. Like the NFL has been through so many controversies um, and like nothing brings them down. And they're like, screw it. We're covering everything with ads. And they're going to rake in money. It's genius. Major League Baseball, you should do this. Hire me. So Hire Ryan. I think uh, this was after the um, when and where stance by the players, but before the mandated season when they were kind of going back and forth with proposals. The ultimate difference between the two proposals, I think Zuckerman tweeted it, so I'm trying to give credit, but the difference between the proposals was – the Steven Strasburg contract. So it was like $245 million, And the owners would not budge. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, this kind of sidetracking a little bit, but we could have had like an 82-game season had the owners just right. shelled out a little bit more money. And if you want to do $245 million divided by 30 teams, I mean, it's even less. It's pocket change to these guys, and they, they wouldn't do it. So I think the difference probably, and somewhere I read, I don't remember where, that it was for the – for the players, it was giving up their ability to file a grievance against the ownership was why they wouldn't sign on to that last deal, is that it removed their ability to file grievance, and they didn't want to give that up. So, But again, this is labor negotiation, mm-hmm. and it sucks that they brought, like, you guys are supposed to be negotiating your labor crap next off season, not in the middle of what was supposed to be this season. Right. I also think, just backtracking for one second, talking about how people may have been upset if MLB called their season and then the other leagues came back, I suspect, and I hope I'm wrong, but the way that this this is still exploding, I wouldn't even call this a second wave. I'd say we never really got out of the first one. I don't think any of the leagues are going to be able to finish their seasons, and I think I don't think NFL is going to be able to play a real season. I think we're all going to look back and say, wow, they all should have canceled their seasons in retrospect. Did you see that the CDC gave the NHL's return plan an F? And they're still going Yes, that's what I'm saying. And everybody's like, oh, but the NHL figured it out. No, they didn't. Actually, no, they didn't. They're going to just play anyway. But I think it's not It's not safe. And I think in retrospect, people are going to get sick. Maybe somebody's going to die. And it's going to not have been worth it. And as much as I hate a world without sports in it, like human lives are more important than any sports there are out there. And I really believe that if when we look back at this, everybody's going to look back and with 2020 hindsight say nobody should have tried to play in 2020. Actually, the NHL, they're smart. They're about to pick both their hub cities in Canada because Canada, just like the rest of the world, is pretty close to beating this thing. So they're going to be like, ha, 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 we're going to be fine. They're going to be the only sport that gets a finish. Well, all the other, all the other <laughs> American smart. sports that are just going to be stuck. <laughs> um, no, but that, 
thank you for bringing that up, Amanda. Like, again, because with what I'm dealing with, like, with just coaching again and basically being forced to do so because people don't want to give out refunds. Um, but uh, they're talking a lot of things up. And with professional sports, too, they're talking a lot of things up to incidental contact. Like, for instance, one thing I'm running into is catcher and batter. They're obviously not going to be six feet apart in any scenario. So it's like, oh, well, that, that just is going to fly now. And same thing with yeah, the Yeah, that just first. doesn't count because yeah, the things you don't just want to count just that. don't right, count. Right. You can't right. just ignore that. And, I mean, things like hockey and, and NBA, like it's a con- well, contact sport, like a physical sport. You're right up against to each other. You can't say, oh, no, you got it. Can't. Um, I have the puck. You can't. Be within six feet right, of me. Don't come like, within no, six feet of me. It's going to be a very yeah, high no. scoring season. <laughs> yeah, this is me. Like, <laughs> you can't just do that. But they're chalking a lot of things up to incidental contact. So there's never going to be a plan that's perfect other than everyone wearing a mask, washing your hands, and getting out of each other's face. All right. So um, we've talked a little bit now about the 60-game situation. Why don't we talk about the 60-man player pool? What do you guys – we have thoughts, yeah, ideas, so... concerns? Um, just in case you guys didn't see it, um, it's not surprising at all. You have, of course, the 25 actual players, the 40-man rotation, and then there's just an extra 20 players who are not on the 40-man roster. Um, these, these guys probably have a negative 0% chance of being called up and actually playing unless like the entire team goes down, um, especially, in, zero. <laughs> <laughs> especially in the 60-game season. Um, it's just going to be the big guys because every game matters. But there are some pretty exciting prospects on the list um, that are going to be able to train and get time and maybe get called up, either if the Nats are like, screw it, let's just call up our young guys, or if things just go terribly wrong. And those guys are Keyboom, who may or may not be starting uh, for third base or second base, Luis Garcia, uh, Joan Adden, Matt Cronin, Will Crow, Dakota Bacchus, Bramer, Kate Romero, and Rutledge. Um, a lot of their big recent draft picks and like their top prospects, even though they have the 30th ranked farm system, they're still top prospects. And yeah, those are just the interesting names I saw. Would love to see Garcia this year. Probably won't, but everyone keeps hyping up his bat, and I really want to see him get some live major league pitching. It's interesting yeah, be because, fun. well, to answer the question, instantly I looked for Holden Powell just in case <laughs> there was that one thing. <laughs> He makes it to the bigs this year, um, but unfortunately, no holding on there. But um, it's interesting to see, and this is kind of what Ryan talked about before when you said you thought the season would be completed just because they don't care about anything else. They just want to say, hey, we put a season out there and we got a quote-unquote full season in. Um, obviously, you have the 60 pool players and you have somewhat expanded rosters, at least for the start of the year. But it's going to be interesting to see who opts out, obviously, but just how many of this pool for each team of the players we see. Like, yeah, it's only 60 games, so you're going to have the big guys in there. But if we get some people opting out and it just starts to be a wave of people opting out because, you know, it's a MLBPA versus the MLB thing or it's a health thing or whatever, injury-related, who knows? I mean... It, it will be cool to see what faces we wouldn't have normally seen uh, previously due to yeah, um, or if a team has an whatever. outbreak of COVID, right, exactly, a yeah, bunch of guys mm-hmm. 
you know, gone for a week or two or three, and you need to, you know, in a season that's only 60 games long, you know, you've got a two-week quarantine period, even if you, you're exposed and you never even get sick. I mean, losing a guy for two weeks in a 66-day season is, is a big deal. So we might see some pretty interesting faces that we, like you said, we wouldn't have seen in any kind of a normal season. But also, I heard something I wanted to run by you guys real quick is I was listening to the MLB Network radio the other day, and I forget which show it was. It was the one, it's two, four, it's Jim Bowden and Jim Memolo, I think, the two former managers or anyway, they were talking about what they would do if they were in charge of a team and who they would carry on that, you know, 60, that 60 player pool. And an interesting suggestion that one of them made was that not only would you bring, get your top prospects from any level of the organization, but also the guys you drafted this year in the first or second round. So they're not losing a whole year of development. So even if they never make it into a big league game, like he, that, carry right. them on your 60-player so pool like, so that they're with the team. Where your biggest investment is, yeah. That's yeah, tough. Yeah. So that's an interesting. Like that's, I've had this conversation with a couple of people, especially like around Keyboom. It's like, do you want to risk a year of service time for 60 games? Like if they play the entire year, they're going to lose a year of service time just for 60 games. And it's like, do you really want to do that? But also on the other side, your top prospect going over a year, like 16 months with no live pitching, it may be detrimental right. to them. So it's a pretty nice little balance board for the teams, you know, who have those young guys who are getting ready to come up, like the Nats with T-Boom and a bunch of the other terrible teams who are just going to say screw it and have them all come up. Um, but also, if I was a GM, I would just tank this entire year away. 60 games, have all your young dudes come up, get a great draft pick, and what's going to be a pretty stacked draft because there's only five rounds. Take advantage of that, and then you also have a stacked um, free agent class. Just go spend them, baby, and then you're back to normal next year. I'm an incredible GM. Nationals hire me since apparently you're not resigning Rizzo. See, I so would hire me. shockingly <laughs> go the entire opposite direction, which is if you're even a really crappy team Shocker. that in a normal 162 game season would have had no shot, but you're coming into a 60 game season. All you need, like you pointed out yourself, the Marlins had the best record in baseball for two weeks last year. Yeah, you know, they did. I mean, go for it. Go bring up your best guys. Let everybody play. See who you've got in your farm system. You know, let everybody get a shot and just go for it. I mean, what the hell? If nothing else, at least your fans get a fun year to watch. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, I mean, the Nats are like the, not just for us, but they're the team to point out in the 60s game season just because of the 1931 thing. But you just wonder, like, had this COVID season be have been implemented last year, the Nats are let's just say, like, 12 and 20 or whatever, do they trade Anthony Rendon, you know? rather like we, we called for Anthony Rendon to be traded because we thought there was no chance. And we were wrong, and we were happy about that, but uh, I don't know what teams are necessarily in that boat this year, whether it be with a guy with service time or a guy with uh, in his walk year who they might want to resign, like the Dodgers with Mookie, for instance. It, it, it's tough. I mean, not that the Dodgers would ever tank, but that's just an example. Um so, yeah, so it's tough. Yeah. It, it's really going to be interesting to see what the mindset is, what the direction is, whether you bring your guys back and not waste a year on them, per se, or if you bring your guys up because you don't want a year to be wasted, you know? So it just it's going to be interesting to see yeah, what, then what, what if mindset you're, 
totally. What if you're like 15 and 15 a, a month into the season? Like nor, normally you're at 500. Would you say, okay, do we that go might for be it? Would you do like, anything? Yeah, right. Do you do anything at the, yeah. at the trade deadline or not? I mean, I would think that if you're a GM, normally at the trade deadline you might say, okay, well, I've got a couple months left of the season and then the playoffs. Maybe I go trade some of my good talent in my farm for somebody who's going to make a difference. Do you oh, no trade? one's going to. Somebody this year for so for a month plus maybe playoffs that don't exactly. really that's not matter. Like I don't think the trade deadline's gonna have a yeah, lot. Yes, so I think that's what Ryan was getting at. Yeah, the trade deadline's gonna be awful. People yeah. don't trade like their guys for two months, even a year of someone. They're not gonna do it for a month. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at Chris Bryant should have been traded already. I mean, that's just one recent example. But also, if you look at the Nats in particular, this is a Nats podcast, so I'm going to bring it, try to bring it back to the Nats. Ostensibly. Like, their, <laughs> their trade deadline mindset, at least what it's been in the past couple of years, would be the worst mindset to have at this trade deadline. Because if you look at last year, they added some pieces, but even at the time, we didn't think any of those trades moved the needle. Yeah, Daniel Hudson worked out phenomenally, obviously, but, like, they got Elias and Strickland. Well, none of that moved mm-hmm. the needle. And then you look at the year before that, they didn't do anything at the trade deadline uh, in 2018, not even with Bryce. Like, they didn't do anything. And then they at, at the waiver deadline, they traded – Matt Adams, Daniel Murphy, and they're kind of just waiting and seeing like what they're going to do. You can't do that this year. So I, I wonder, should the Nats be, you know, somewhere in contention, whether it be a wild card spot or whatever, come August, late August, what they're going to do? Like, are they going to push all their chips into quote unquote get a back to back, or are they going to be satisfied? with the one and not do anything and kind of just, you know, fold. The second thing. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, yeah. I mean, one thing we need to talk about, and Ryan alluded to it, what are they doing with Mike Rizzo? Like, oh, Nothing, evidently. So I someone pointed understand. this out. I forgot the team, but they fired 15 front office staff members, and they said that the entire belief around the entire league is that at the end of the year, Owners are going to just clean house with their front house staff just so they don't have to pay them and get a lot of cheaper staff in just because, oh, the losses are so terrible. I'm worth billions of dollars. But, like, no, but being serious, these are people's livelihoods, and the fear is that teams across the league are going to clear house, and so that kind of thinks, are the Nats going to do that with Rizzo because he just won the World Series. He's put together one of the best teams of baseball since 2012. He's going to want a lot of money. He's going to be paid like a top GM in baseball. What if the learners are like, we lost too much money this year. Bye-bye. We're going to go get some no-name off the street. It's going to be a lot cheaper than you. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. I feel like they never want to pay anyone, so it certainly wouldn't shock me. But I do think it's overwrought how people are always like, if they don't sign Rizzo, I'm never – I'm not watching another team – you know, another game from the Nationals again. People said that about letting Bryce go. People said that about letting Rendon go. Like, the – Fans aren't going anywhere, and they're certainly over players even. They're certainly not going anywhere over Mike Rizzo, even though I think Mike Rizzo is awesome and they're idiots if they let him go. But it's not going to, to borrow your phrase, move the needle right. for I mean, fans. There's just certain things you can't skimp on or cheap out on, toilet paper being number one, and two, being your GM of the World of Series. Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> two, being your World Series GM uh, of a reigning champion team. 
Like it just. But which one of those two would you think is more important? Toilet paper, without a doubt. I mean, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I know you're an avid lifter, but I'm t- I'm taking my my Charmin three ply ultra brand toilet paper every day of the week. Um, but it, it's just crazy. Like, I mean, I get it. sports in general. If a coach, GM, whoever it may be, lasts more than ten years, that's like this huge feat, you know. Like the Red Sox won in 2018, and they fired fired not not just like chose not to resign. They fired their GM last year. So it, it's it's a business. We'll never understand it, no matter how much we try to and all that stuff. But I, I just think it would be the wrong move. Like we've given yeah, Mike Rico hell, but we also kind of know that's not always his fault, you know? No. And I'll tell you, as a, as, a, as a D.C. sports fan, it would be nice if any of the teams in our town could just hold on to, like, a coach or a front office or somebody <laughs> or for some length of time. Or... You see these places where they are like, they've, they've had the same coach for 15 seasons or they've had the same GM for 25 years. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what that's like. I don't like, with a coach, I, I, I sort of understand. It's just, like, even the A's have kept Billy Bean. Like, in the A's, well, don't but pay that's anybody. because Billy Bean is fun to say. I mean. Well, fair. But, like, point being, the A's <laughs> see the value in Billy Bean when they haven't seen the value in any of their players. Like, when has the payroll ever. They're, they're, fun fact for you, the highest contract they've ever given out was an extension to Eric Chavez. It was six years, $66 million. Yeah, which is like they, chump they change right. given some and, of the big contracts I mean, we see now. Freaking Fernando Rodney made that in like two years or whatever. Like it's just legend. crazy that legend Fernando even, Rodney. Even a cheap team like the A's sees the value in a good GM. Like they, it's such a volatile position because you don't see many good GMs come around. And I truly believe Mike Rizzo is one, and it would be a huge, huge, huge mistake to let him go. We can agree on something, and it is that. Yep. Yep. All right, should we do Twitter questions? Let's get into it. we got a lot this week. Let's do it. We did. we got a lot of good ones. Everybody else is excited for baseball to start, too. We will start with our pal Finch at Finch960, who says, one, should the season happen at all? Two, if it does happen, should the World Series have an asterisk next to it? Three, if it does happen, what player has to test positive in order for it to shut down? (laughs) We kind of touched on a couple of those, but the player question is interesting. Yeah, so I don't think it has to be a certain player for it to shut down. Like, we saw in March when one NBA player got it, every sport league shut down. But that's um, before people were scared of it, even though it wasn't that bad. And now people don't care, even though it's a lot worse. (laughs) Anyways, um, I don't think it's going to take one player because... Teams, I, I am willing to guarantee multiple te- multiple teams are going to hide a star player game positive. If it's October, you know for a fact they're going to hide that and keep having them play because they care more about winning than people. Um, so I don't think it's going to be one player. It's just going to take a lot. Like if they came out one mm-hmm. week and it's like 50 MLB players got it, they might like, hey, yeah. we're going to take it. It'll break. be a quantity of players getting it that I think mm-hmm. it would take to shut down. Even one big name player, like if Mike Trout gets it, I don't think they shut down the season. But if Mike Trout and 40 other guys get it, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah I mean, agreed on that part. As far as the asterisk goes, I get like why people would want an asterisk or feel the need to have an asterisk. 
But my argument is, if your team won the World Series this year, are you treating it like a World Series win? I haven't met a single person that has answered that question, no. Well, I don't believe I'll, in the I'll, I'll answer it, no. I would not treat it. I don't think it's I a binary, a though. Like, is you it not a World so Series? Annoying. Obviously, <laughs> you are annoying. No, it's not the same. Like, will I be as happy about will them winning this year as I was about last year? It, no. Or will you will celebrate if the Nats win the World Series this year? Of course I will, but I won't feel okay, the same then, way then, about no, it as I did about no last year. The, a ring is a ring. Yeah. Is a ring. No, the Braves last. The Braves last World you, Series you ring. Said you would celebrate that World Series. Of and, course, and I would. But celebrating it is not the same thing no as thinking it. it's equal to another one. No, I'll still be happy if they win. It doesn't. Yes, you can. No, you cannot. That's absurd. That's a absurd world, to say that two things are not the same. This year, if the Nats win the World Series and you are celebrating, then you are not putting an asterisk next to it. Case in that's point. Stupid. That's stupid. That's the stupidest thing you've ever said, and that is a tall – that's a tall order. I'm just saying. No, that's not even – Saying you're happy if your team said. wins is not the same said. thing as saying – You celebrate a World Series. So if you're mad, you have to be mad course. at yourself. You're being – you're being absurd. Being happy if your team wins and still not feeling the same way. But you, two things can be true at once. I don't think this World Series is the same or equal to other World Series. It doesn't mean I, think I it's don't harder. want my team to win. That's Thank you, Ryan. Not, Holy hell. These things are not mutually exclusive. I don't it's understand harder. why you're saying that they are. It's not this, harder. Yes, it is. These people haven't no. played since October, and they're playing a 60-game season. They're going to be shaky as hell. The entire game is different. Every way that they play it is going to be different. All these people are creatures of habit. Pitchers are creatures of habit, and they all believe they have to do the same thing for every game, every at-bat in order to be successful. They can't do that anymore. So everything has changed, and the fact that they're going six, no, sorry, like eight to ten months without playing, and then you're looking at the fact that you're playing through a pandemic. Everything that you've gone through this year and you win the World Series at the end of it means just as much as any other World Series. And the only reason why people say otherwise is because they look to complain. No, it's not a complaint. It's just pointing out the fact, and it is a fact, that this is not a regular baseball season. It's winning even over better. a six-month, 162-game season is not the same thing as winning a two-month sprint. I, you can still be happy if your team wins, but it's not a regular baseball season. You're right. It's, it's a better it's baseball just season. just not. If you <laughs> think so, but I don't think I'm it's better. See, so you would rather have this than a 162-game season? There's I would rather whatever it takes for my team to win the World Series. There's not going to be a single Nats fan if the Nats are an here to say, oh, we're going to put an asterisk next to it. If they're going to celebrate the Nats World Series title, they're not going to voluntarily put an asterisk next to it. That's just dumb. See, you're you're only dumb. saying that because Understanding you're like, Understanding that it's so different. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Amanda, I have a question for you. This is the it's last not part the of same. It before we move to the next question. Amanda, so you're saying that if they win, they should have asterisk next to it, right? Yes. So when wins. they when they raise the banner, are you going to be mad when they raise it and there's no asterisk Why next to it? Why would I be mad? <laughs> it says is, it's, uh, oh, my God. You realize that an champion? asterisk is like a figurative speech, right? There's not like a literal asterisk like on the banner. Like I'm just saying, but if it doesn't count, it should. Should it not? There's, there's literally asterisks there a, in record books next actually, to Barry Bonds' name. Yes. Okay. Yes. So why wouldn't there not should be Should there be an World asterisk series? in the rest of record books next to this World Series? Yes, there should. Whoever wins it, even if it's the Nats. Yes, it should okay. have an asterisk. All right. Write that down. 
It doesn't mean I won't be happy if they win, but it's not no, the same thing. No, you're not allowed to be. You're not allowed to be. We're going to make sure. So if the Nats win hey, the World Series, if the Nats win the World Series, the Nats win the World Series, we're going to just start the episode after it with Amanda's audio right there and just play it over and over again. I mean, that's fine. And I bet you put out a poll, put out a poll on Twitter, ask how many people feel like this season should have an asterisk. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. It doesn't mean you can't think it's cool. It doesn't mean you can't be happy if your team wins, but it isn't the same as winning a regular World Series. It's just not the same thing. You're not the same. Good one. You've changed, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's move on. (laughs) Anyway, at Anthony Dizzle forty seven asks, if you were Davy, how would you manage the rotation and bullpen for a sixty game schedule? Would you let starters pitch deeper into games, go with a four man rotation, or something else? So, this one's tough because, like I said before. These guys have gone a long time without pitching. Um, and that does benefit the Nats because how hard their rotation was worked. But in the beginning of the season, you're going to have to monitor their pitch count even more because their arms aren't going to be as conditioned as they normally are at this time of year. Like in the beginning of a regular season, you watch the pitch count because you got to get the conditioning back up. So you got to make sure you're careful of that. And especially you only get six off days playing 60 games. That's a lot. I wouldn't go to the four-man rotation just because I feel like that's a lot of stress on your rotation. Yeah, you may skip a fifth, the fifth starter's start late in the season here or there, but like if you have a guy who goes pretty long one day, normally in the regular season, you can let him go an extra inning on fumes because you may have two off days this week, but you don't have that. So if you do have that guy go long, I say you just have like a sixth starter ready because there's no limit to how many pitchers you can have who can go in there and just have another start that's basically an extra off day for your entire rotation, especially if you're working them. Because, like, if your bullpen's as bad as it was as the Nats were last year, it shouldn't be, hopefully. But the rotation is going to have to be worked again. And if you're not having as many off days, I feel like you should have a six starter go in there to help out the rotation and just be a little bit healthier and be a little bit better throughout the end of the season. Yeah, if, if you're Davey, it's really kind of a dealer's choice situation because Ryan's absolutely right. I mean, um, I've, I listen to another baseball podcast, No Free Ads, but they interview a lot of players. Um, and the kind of consensus is the players weren't really doing much. I mean, kind of like staying active, but not really their routines or anything like that because they, they didn't know when they were coming back or if they were coming back at all. So, like, why are they going to, you know, grind and grind and grind when they don't have that – you know, return date or whatever. So not many people are going to be fully ready for this the start date, regardless of spring training 2.0 and whatnot. So if you're Davey, you really have a choice. You can do something like a four-man rotation, but maybe you have like a five-inning cap with, with that. Or you have like a six-man rotation, and you can let your starters go deeper into games. But mainly it really depends on who you have available to you because if – do little ops out well, he's a back-of-the-bullpen guy, so maybe you do let your starters go longer. Or if, God forbid, like Max opts out because he's up there in age two and, and, and whatnot, then obviously that changes things. But uh, I think what Ryan was saying is more likely what's going to happen, kind of a definitely a five, maybe even a six-man rotation to kind of ease the stress. And then should they find themselves in a, a position uh, of – 
like importance come the end of August, early September, then you might see a four-man rotation and really that kind of strategy unfolds. But until then, I think it, they're going to ease back into it. Yeah, I agree completely. I think um, it's going to change through the season. I think they're likely to start out with more pitchers and, you know, keeping, mm-hmm. the, keeping the pitch counts really low for the starters. And then as the season goes on and uh, hopefully the Nats are in the hunt and, you know, looking every game's meaningful towards the end. And, and I think that then you might see a four-man rotation, but probably not to start out. A sidebar question. I, I mean, I'm 99.95% sure it's going to be max, but would you start Max on opening day? No, I think no. Steve Strasburg is situation. He just won ML, ML, He just won MVP of the World Series. You yeah, see, that. I don't really care about that. Um, I don't think that. I just get, think he's get, the better pitcher. Do anything? Now. Yeah, I think I think he's better. Like uh, if I well, were even if you Dodgers agree fan, or disagree, you have was, to start the guy you just. Won I was just going to say if yeah. I was a super different situation with the Dodgers than the Nats, but if I was a Dodgers fan, I would start uh, Walker Bueller. Opening day over Clayton Kershaw, regardless of what Kershaw means to the. Nah, I'd start some bum and just have him hit the first three Astros. So you know, like have your have your real starter getting loose in the bullpen the whole time. I saw somebody. I meant to mention to you guys. I saw somebody on Twitter say, "So which Astro get plunked first? The <laughs> there's starts? there's betting lines and on it. Yeah. Somebody responded and said, "It depends who's hitting leadoff." I <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean that. You would definitely think Springer, but I would think it would have to be Altuve. Because Altuve and Bregman were the two, like, you know, leading, obviously, Smug. the two best guys on the Astros. But they're oh. also the, oh, no, it's a tattoo my wife didn't like. Or, no, we definitely didn't oh do my that. God. Wink, wink. Like, Bregman, I yeah. would love to see. Get, I just That guy, has the, he's just got the biggest resting douche face in the world. I just can't <laughs> with that guy. I hate him. But, yeah. yeah, so much. Okay, this next one is a strange but fun I love question. This, one. this is from I'm at, so at National Post. A1 Day 1 Heater here. Threat Level Midnight 2 starts production this fall. Agent Michael Scarn needs the help of three MLB players to stop Goldface from rebranding Chili's to Jimmy's. Pick one <laughs> National, one AL player, and one NL player to help Agent Michael Scarn save Chili's. This is the so, weirdest crap I've ever this is seen. The greatest you, question. you don't watch The Office, so you're not allowed to answer. This is the greatest question of all time because threat level is yeah. huge. I read it to my son, who's a huge Office fan, and he thought it was spectacular. So, <laughs> so Agent Michael Scarn, he's going to need an all-star team, right? Like, he's going to need some help. They're going to have to be able to dance also and do the scarn. So, obviously, for the Nationals, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going Aaron Zane. The guy's just got cannons for arms. Unreal. Thank you, Nick. Um, unreal. He's my pick. If we're going National League, um, we're going Amir Garrett. The dude just ready to throw hands with literally anyone at any time. He is so down for it. Um, and then National American League, I'm mixing up a little bit. I'm going Handsome. I'm going Francisco Lindor. That smile will stop Golden Face any day of the week. I'm just not going to even answer because I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it in the towel. All right, I like it. <laughs> that was so All funny. right, we'll move on then. <laughs> At B. Wagner says, isn't a 60-game season really just spring training slash exhibition games with hope the teams will get to the playoffs while remaining healthy? Regardless, won't the player playoffs be subpar due to weak rosters? I don't think it would be subpar because of weak rosters. Um, but for the first part, though. 
Well, the first part isn't a 162-game season, just exhibition games with hope your team's going to remain healthy and make the playoffs. Embrace the bait. Wait, what? Oh, like, I see what you're saying. Um, yes, you're not wrong, but it's different because you're factoring in COVID. Um, like, they are definitely – they're just hoping the season gets completed, you know? Like, they don't care about who makes the playoffs or, like – I mean, I'm sure they care about, like, marketability and whatnot, but that's not their main focus. Their focus is getting to the chance to make the playoffs. I'm talking about, like, the, the owners or uh, the commissioner's office right. and whatnot. They so, want to get that sweet playoff revenue. That's right, exactly. They, they don't care about who makes it or how they make it or what players are on the rosters and healthy when they make it. They just care about getting there so that they can get that revenue. So, B. Wagner, you're definitely not wrong whatsoever but i don't think the the playoffs will necessarily be subpar um but it's definitely just uh they're throwing games out there and whoever makes it makes it for sure yeah i think uh they could be subpar but it kind of just depends on who gets there and you know what if you've got big name players who get covid right during or before the playoffs and then you've got playoffs with teams missing some of their best players and so it it could be weak that way but I really sure. think there's just absolutely no way to tell if we even get there. And I, I remain unconvinced that there will ever be playoffs because with the way the pandemic's happening in the U.S. right now, I, I don't see how not playing in a bubble like NBA, not having hub cities like NHL, I don't know how they think in 30 cities they're going to pull this off. I just don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Especially when 16 of the markets are seeing a dramatic increase in cases, it's not yeah. a good right. sign. I agree, but also I'm just going to, again, put my blinders on and pretend like nothing's happening and go forward with the baseball season. You and everyone else in this country. Yep. <laughs> All right. The next one is from friend of the show, at one lovely lady C, who says, thoughts on if a Nationals player kneels during the anthem? For example, if Sean Doolittle took a knee, would you support him? I hope. thousand percent. I hope every single player takes a knee during the anthem. I wouldn't even care if they didn't go on the field for the anthem. <laughs> I hope they Yeah, I think at this point it seems like that ship has sort of sailed. I don't know anybody who would get upset at this point about it. Oh, I think there will be They're people. Atlanta Braves yeah. fans. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. They're called white people. <laughs> well, we're all white people, and we're all fans. Uh, no, you, white, you, right? you, you all. So the half of me that's dumb is 100% you guys. You two, you two and every <laughs> single person listening knows exactly what I mean when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope every anyway. single one of them takes a knee. The national anthem needs to be replaced with the Chili's theme song. It's an overrated <laughs> song. The song sucks. They need to replace it with a song that slaps. Wow, it doesn't that represent. Was a nice all That's a nice tie-in for our sponsor. Did you see the, the petition to replace the National Anthem with Imagine by John Lennon, who is notorious oh for beating his wife and kids? You know, I love the Beatles. That is a terrible song. But that is a, that is a topic for another show. Hugely overrated. I agree. Um, there's a petition for to replace the Flavor American – <laughs> yes, oh. for Flavor Town, um, to replace the American flag with the – Bad drawn character from a uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I think like three million people have Finally, something I can get behind. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, goodness. Anyways, okay, moving on. <laughs> from 
OPT, we get the question, who is your AL and NL Cy Young winners this season? Okay, before you um, answer, are before, your you answer before you answer, we're going to do this show in a couple weeks, so I don't want to spoil it. So okay. let's do, can we change it to Dark Horses instead? Okay. So my... We can do that. Again, so 60-game season, obviously it's whoever gets off to a hot start, who's been staying ready and all this stuff. Instantly, I go to a younger guy. Uh, because uh, they can just they have more ability to just get up off the couch and pitch effectively than someone like Max Scherzer who needs you know a, a routine and a good spring training to get ready. So last year, if there was only sixty games, uh, I think Luis Castillo would have won the uh, won the won the Cy Young. Meanwhile, Jacob Degrom, who did win the award, probably wouldn't have received any votes. So I'm going to say Luis Castillo just because of how hot of a start he got off to last season. Not that's that's any in any indication of future success, but uh, clearly but it's a whatever. Fun guess. Yeah, so <laughs> that's my one for the NL. Uh, for the AL, I mean, it, it's really a toss-up, but just because I think it would be funny in sort of a, <laughs> a twisted sense, uh, and I don't even know that he's going to start like on the actual roster, but he will be up to the majors at some point. I'm going to say Jesus Lazardo for the A's. Oh. Okay. Um, Dark Horse, little Trevor Bauer, just because love the guy. Um, he made Kurt Schilling delete his Twitter account, so <laughs> he's my Cy Young just for that alone. And then American League, I'm going Lucas Giolito. That's a good one. I, that, that was, was the my other guess. One. That, was that was my guess, just to break Nat's fan's heart. <laughs> I, I figured you guys were going to go Lucas Giolito, so I wanted to switch it up, but that's a good one. You were right. I haven't thought... I haven't thought of another one yet. That's a good Dark Horse one. That's a good question. I don't have an answer, so we'll save it for our... Uh, our award yeah, show. That, that one's going to be, I think it's the last one before opening day, if I looked at the my schedule correctly. But that look one's us, coming. Look at us planning ahead. I know, right? We're so prepared. Well, last when time I, I planned ahead, the whole season got <laughs> shut down, so maybe I shouldn't plan ahead anymore. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, all right, next question. At Caps Hockey Season 17 says, do the Nats have enough firepower to win the NL East? Yeah. Uh, Pitching-wise, for sure, I think their offense can be serviceable, but it's not obviously not as good as last year, regardless of the you know supplemental pieces they've added to replace Rendon. Um, but our pitching can compete with anyone on, on, on any given day. So for sure, uh, especially when you factor in the chances of people going down due to COVID or injury or whatever, yeah, Nats have enough firepower to win the NL East. Yeah. I um I like the I think yes is the easy answer but I do wonder I I think it's going to come down a lot to injury as always but also COVID because it just depends when you get down towards the end of the season and everybody's in a playoff race like who which teams are healthy and which teams are missing players and you know it's, I think it's just hard to tell if if as we talked about earlier you end up with seeing a lot of faces you didn't expect you'd see this year and then who the hell knows what could happen like then it comes down to who has a better farm. And that don't hold up so well on that end of things. So yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. We didn't get to our AL and NL East predictions before COVID happened. We only did the West and Central divisions. But I mean, I guess I'm we're going to do that next week. But uh, kind of a spoiler: I have the Mets winning the division. Just wanted to throw that out there. I think I think they're going to do it. I think it's. I think I think Syndergaard being out changes that. I agree, but the Mets also, are going to Mets when it comes right it, down it, to it. I <laughs> yes, so you factor in COVID now, and 
the Mets are going to be the team that forces a player to play through COVID for sure. Um, but it just feels... or they'll be like, we're the only team with uh, us and the Yankees. We're the only team with herd immunity. So we're good. Oh, yeah. Or it's going to be like, oh, we don't have any COVID positive tests because we haven't been testing our guys. So, like, that, <laughs> you guys been testing? <laughs> um, that is but, how that works. But it just feels like one of those Mets years to me. Like they just like 2015 was such a, like a random year for the Mets. Uh, it just feels like they're due for one of those random successful years. Hmm. Well, I hope you're wrong. I hate it when the Mets are successful. <laughs> I'd rather them be successful than the Braves, to be honest. Well, I'd rather pretty much anyone than the Braves. But <laughs> All right, at Robles MVP says, how do you think the first base platoon will work now with the universal DH? It's going to be real simple. This is if, Chef's kiss. if Chef's Zimmerman kiss. plays Howie Kendrick's DH, uh, Zim gets all lefties, Thames gets all righties. That's how it's going to work. Yep. Uh, chef's simple. Kiss. That's exactly it's my thoughts perfect. on it. Everything about the universal DH, chef gets. Perfect. 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 All right. At Peyton Nation 1825 says, how do you do the lineup for the 60 games and run the bench? So it's going to be the same lineup um, as they ran in the World Series when they played the Astros except Zim and Thames are going to be switching off at first. Um, they may move Robles up. That's something they've talked about. But especially now they have a DH, I can see them just going um, Turner, Eaton, Soto, Thames, Kendrick. Um, what's his name? He's playing second. Castro, Keyboom, sorry, Robles, Keyboom, and then Gomes. Or put uh, Keyboom ninth and move out Gomes one. It's going to be something like that. Excuse me, Ryan. Are you having Trey Turner lead off when you need to refer to him as a three-hole hitter, Trey Turner? Three-hole hitter, Trey Turner, baby. Three-hole. How much the DH helps? Because before before the DH, they're talking about having Trey Turner bat third to replace Rendon, but now they have the DH, and the lineup just goes completely normal. It, it, it's a thing of beauty, man. It, it, <laughs> it's it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Expletive, expletive, bull expletive. <laughs> After we've already dropped that. multiple expletives on the show, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, these ones would have been worse, so I censored <laughs> these. Amazing. All right. I think that is it. You guys got anything else before we go? Um, um, wear a mask. Wash your hands. Stop being an idiot. Black Lives Matter. Just because <sighs> it's not trending anymore doesn't mean the fight's over. We're ripping down this oppressive establishment board by board. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, on that note, (laughs) thank you guys, as always, for listening. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at AWhite7877, at HalfShackCap, at DCNatShack, and at HalfStreetHighHeat. We will talk to you all next week. Wait, yeah, Amanda's never seen SpongeBob, so she didn't get that reference. Yeah, but that was a pretty good (laughs) reference. (laughs) Nope, never watched SpongeBob. It's true. It's a true story. Later. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later.
By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.